Hey everybody and welcome to the Woodhaven Media Podcast. We are taking a little departure from the average beaten path that we usually take on this show. And we're going to talk about a couple of America's favorite sports. That's baseball. That's football. And we're even going to have a little sidecar of UFC. We're going to get into some MMA talking. That's mixed martial arts for you people who need to open your fucking eyes and learn about the most intense sport out there right now. Combat sport. Hand-to-hand combat. Uh, So that's what we got going on the show. We have a really cool guest today, Robbie. Uh, One of my favorite wrestlers. No, I didn't know he was (laughs) one of your favorite wrestlers. Tommy Uh, Dreamer. We have Tommy Dreamer on the show. He is a very innovative guy. He was part of the movement of hardcore wrestling. That really changed everything in the mid-90s into the late 90s uh, when they really started doing all that off-the-cuff extreme stuff. Uh, You're talking guys that were put through tables that were on fire and barbed wire matches and lots of blood. Uh, there's this. Re- <laughs> we were. I was watching. Tommy actually posted something online today. There was this really crazy match, uh, where he was on a scaffolding that was literally built about like 15, 20 feet above the ring, and he, you know, there's the stacks and stacks of tables uh, in the middle of the ring, and he puts this dude through this like accordion, like pancake picture, just like pancaking of tables going through it. Um, these guys did some wild stuff, uh, and Tommy was right there in the middle of it. Of course, went on to wrestle in WWE, uh, went on to uh, really just have a great career, and he's still doing it. Cool thing about Tommy Dreamer, and this is one of my favorite things about him, being a production guy coming from the movie, the entertainment background that I got. He's a guy who not only has excelled in the ring, but he's also excelled in sports entertainment behind the scenes as what they call a booker. That's basically the guy who writes the show. That's the screenwriter. That's the guy who's uh, coming up with the predetermined results, storylines, bookings, if you will. Uh, So he's a guy who's done it all, and he owns his own promotion, which is the House of Hardcore, uh, which is a a very unique blend of wrestling in its own right that Tommy has uh, really fine-tuned his approach uh, in terms of what he feels is though uh, the, the optimal sports entertainment program should be like for the fan. Uh, so we're going to get a chance to talk to him a little bit about that. But mainly the main reason why I wanted to bring Tommy on today, um, the reason why I wanted to bring Tommy on is because it's that great time of year when for a sports fan, it's all coming together. Everyone's hopeful for the new NFL season coming up. But you still got baseball. You still get the playoffs. It, it's such a great time of year because there could be this magical weekend of sports when you get a chance to watch a Major League Baseball playoff game, a meaningful NFL early season game, and who knows, maybe uh, some kind of a you know preseason NBA game. Hockey's coming to life. That's waking up. Headlines are being made. <laughs> Headlines are being made left and right. Milestones are being made. Ichiro hit 3,000 hits. David Ortiz is finishing his illustrious career. Uh, it's all kind of coming to a head, and it's a great time of year. And, hey, UFC, the reason why I love it, there is no offseason. <laughs> UFC's a year-round thing. Constantly. It never quits. Every motherfucking month you tune in and you get to watch UFC. Uh, so that's really cool. You've got a lot of great UFC cards coming up. 
We've got CM Punk, who's going to be making his UFC debut, which is much, much, much anticipated. A lot of people want to see this guy get his block knocked off. We'll see if it happens. I don't know. Uh, I've got some reservations on whether or not he can pull off a victory. He's fighting a really, really young, tough kid. We'll see what happens. Uh, But we're happy to have Tommy Dreamer on. Tommy is a guy who knows a little bit about everything. Uh, He's been on the road for many years traveling. He's gotten a chance to meet a lot of different people and talk a lot of different sports, see a lot of sports in a lot of different venues, rub shoulders with pro athletes. Uh, So he's he's a, a bit of a wealth of knowledge. He's also a big fantasy football guy and a big fantasy baseball guy. I'm fortunate enough to be in the fantasy football league that he's, uh, I guess you, I don't know if he's the commissioner, but he's uh, he's certainly a, an honored member because it is the House of Hardcore Fantasy Football League. And uh, I came in third last year, and I'm out for vengeance. I had a really Ooh. strong draft. I got a couple of those magazines that you pay like eight bucks for. <laughs> got two they have of the them. real stuff. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. they tell you like who to, who to draft and everything. Uh, so I'm I'm really amped up for this time of year. I figured, hey, why not? Let's bring on our good friend Tommy Dreamer. He's a bit of a sports enthusiast and a bit of a sports expert at the same time. So we're going to have him on, and we're going to just kind of jump right into it because we got a lot to talk about with Tommy Dreamer. All right, everyone, we have our guest, Tommy Dreamer. Uh, a lot of you folks know him for being a pro wrestling superstar, but a lot of people don't know this. Tommy is also just a regular old sports expert in general. Uh, his knowledge goes way back. Uh, he's a big fan uh, from, uh, what's that, Tommy? Uh, mainly the Mets, right? Mainly a Mets fan. Uh, who's your yeah, football Yeah, I'm a New team? York guy, Mets, Yankees. And as far as football goes? Uh, football, Giants, Jets. you got to understand, uh, my dad, when you're little, you're just kind of forced to uh, like whatever teams your parents like. And uh, my father was from Brooklyn, so you can never root for the Yankees. You had to root for the Mets. And then for... Uh, I'm, you know, I'm 45 years old, so growing up in the 70s and the 80s, you know, the 70s was everyone was a Yankee fan, so you got to start, you know, deciphering your own uh, way. So, you know, Yankees, Mets, and then my dad, he's passed away, but we still have uh, New York Giants tickets. They come to my house. Him and my uncle were season Giant ticket holders forever. So uh, Giants, and, you know, as well as Jets. I'm a total New York guy. This is a really great time of year for sports guys. This is my favorite time of year. This is like you got the baseball season winding down. You got the NFL season kicking off. And it's just like a great time to be alive and to be a sports fan. Even if you like basketball, you know, that's just about waking up a little bit. Uh, You know, hockey will be waking up soon. Uh, So it's a great time to be alive if you like sports. It, too, is uh, my favorite time. Uh, This year was a big accomplishment for myself. I finished off a bucket list. I've been to every single stadium. Uh, again, I'm 45, so I've been to stadiums that aren't around anymore. And, uh, you know. Yeah, that is just crazy. That's remarkable. Like, you, you've, <clears throat> we're talking like, you, you went to Montreal to see Expos games, right? No, that's the only one I've never been to. I was so pissed. I was trying to go Aha! to <laughs> I found one. an exhibition game, and I, I didn't get a chance to be go to the kingdom. Uh, but. I've been to, man, where have I been? Everywhere. Uh, I've been to the Metrodome. I've been to Old Yankee Stadium, Shea Stadium. 
uh, Old Marlins Park. I've been to Three Rivers. Uh, anyway, I've been to a lot. And this year I also, if you want to talk about taking your fandom to the next level, I went and saw a Japanese baseball game, a playoff game, and it is organized fandom. And I could only tell you the experience was college football meets any game seven, and it was the greatest fun time I've ever had being uh, a fan. It really was. That's something. Was, yeah, yeah I, I know. Was, I know they they. And it's it's just in the Japanese culture to take everything they do pretty seriously. Uh, so it must be uh, quite the air of intensity during one of those playoff baseball games. And uh, kind of a cool thing this year was to see Ichiro Suzuki go over 3,000 hits. One of only, yep. you know. It's been a, a uh, milestone year. I remember when Ichiro came in the league, like, that was like 2001 or whatever, and Obviously, everybody knew how dangerous he was at the plate and how he could just rack up hits like crazy. But, you know, I don't think anyone expected that kind of longevity for the guy to just be able to do that for, you know, another 14, 15 years and actually, you know, get 3,000 hits. Like, that's people don't realize the guy came into the league at 29, 28, 29 years old, you know? Yeah, hasn't he or isn't he on the verge of passing like Ty Cobb or, you know, mix both leagues to be like pretty much the greatest hitter in professional baseball? Yeah, he's got well. I think he has well over a thousand Japanese hits. Um, and yeah, if you add him up, he is probably over that. I'm a firm believer age is just a number, and the guy can still play. I would actually love to see him go to, you know, a team like the Red Sox, or even come back to the Yankees and be a DH role. Uh, I think he would. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him in a playoff race. That's like one thing that I I think I've I've missed about Ichiro's career is, you know, he's definitely been in the playoffs a couple times, but. I don't really remember the defining Ichiro playoff moment, you know. Yeah, I don't think that uh, I'd have to go look that one up. I don't, I don't have one either. I mean, he played, he played on some bad teams. Ichiro had a milestone this year. You've got David Ortiz, uh, just kind of just on this torrid, torrid streak of of just mashing the ball uh, as a forty-year-old ball player, breaking every single, uh, you know. No knock to 40-year-old guys, but every single geriatric baseball record you possibly can, uh, you know, most hits for a 40-year-old guy, most home runs for a 40-year-old guy, most RBI. Uh, And, I mean, everybody, of course, knows he could come back and probably do this another season or two. I guess he's got really, really bad uh, feet. That's what it comes down to. Like, his feet are just in horrible pain after every game. Um, But it's got to be great. Even as a Yankee fan, it's got to be great for you to see a guy like Ortiz kind of, you know, putting up those kind of numbers at the age he's at. I'm a huge uh, David Ortiz fan, uh, was a big fan of him, you know, even when he was in Minnesota. You know, he if talk about someone who came over, changed his entire career, changed, you know, the, the face of the Red Sox. And, and, you know, he's he kept true to his himself, especially during, you know, the, the horrible – uh, Boston bombings, and he was just like, you know, you don't fuck with us, and it was just like, you know, the whole Boston yep. strong, and it was just you know, a lot that's of fans so Boston. Yeah, everybody loves Poppy. I mean, that guy could, uh, as they say, get a free meal in the city of Boston for the rest of his life, uh, as well as anybody he's with, probably. Uh, and, Speaking uh, of Ichiro, uh, I'm uh, the one thing I don't like about sportscasters. And, uh, you know, people that sit there and talk about sports, uh, if they make a prediction or they do and then it doesn't happen, they don't kind of, like, take it on the chin. 
you know, or be like, hey, I messed up. Hey, I thought this. Yeah, they forget about it. They do. I uh, I tweeted actually to here in uh, SNN, uh, SNNY where the Mets play last year during the offseason, do not trade uh, Daniel Murphy, sign him, and also trade Matt Harvey. And I was like, trade, trade, trade Matt Harvey. They actually, you know, posted my tweet on the the air. The, the broadcaster agreed with it. I was acting like a little girl, like, oh, look, my tweet made it. You know, I still have it saved. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But uh, I, I well, went and, on and that day, Murphy. and I said, Ichiro is going to break. The three, you know, he's going to get a 3,000 hit today. Why? Because I'm a crazy wrestler, and I also, you know, look at stuff as it's also entertainment. And actually today I'm watching a documentary on George Steinbrenner, and George Steinbrenner said it's a brand, but it's a, baseball's a brand of entertainment. And when I saw Ichiro, they were going to start him, in, and I was like, in Colorado, a great hitter's park, and the game was going to be broadcast uh, on – the Major League Baseball Network, I was like, Ichiro is going to get the hit today. And everyone's like, oh, come on. And then as soon as I got it, there's only a few people that would be like, uh, Dreamer called it, Dreamer called it. Anyway, you know, I, I go on, the, I take it on the chin all the time. If I was wrong, I would be like, eh, I'm wrong. I'm no baseball analyst. But I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And, uh, you know, little things like that. And that's why, you know, you sit here, we talk about sports, me and you, off the air, we're in fantasy leagues together. We talk, you know, randomly when I'm driving through the night, and we'll talk about sports. We'll talk about this guy. We'll talk about that guy, uh, and it's that emotional attachment that we have, you know, two teams and two being fans. I know, you know, why I became a Yankee fan. My father took me to a game, and this was during the Royals Yankees playoff, and their shortstop Freddie Patek went to throw the ball into the dugout, and the ball bounced up and I caught it. And right then and there, I was like, you know, and everyone's, you know, clapping for me. And I was like, whoa, this is an amazing experience, you know? So uh, stuff like that. Is, yeah, that's is, when you kind of got bit with that baseball bug and you realize why it's so important, not only to, uh, you know, us as fans of a game, but just to us as Americans, you know, like not to get too heavy into, into any uh, kind of nationalism stuff, but it really is. I mean, it is America's pastime baseball. It's, it's our thing. Uh, you know, other countries play it, certainly, uh, but it's our thing, and it, it's a special thing, and it's kind of nice that there still is that feeling on a summer night when you're there with your, your dad or your mom or whatever it is, or whoever's, you know, taking you to the game, and you get a hot dog, and you're watching the guys play, and you see how hard they can really throw. Like, that's the thing that always got me as a kid when I went to a ball game. Yeah, you see it on TV, but you don't realize how easy they can just flip their wrist and throw that ball all the way across the diamond, like so effortlessly, and how they can just flick that bat and drive a ball over the fence, and it looks so easy. Um, and I think that's what you really get out of going to a game. And it's kind of a special thing, baseball. Or even if you're if you're close enough, or if the game is quiet enough, you can hear that ball hitting the glove, especially of a pitcher. You don't realize watching on television, like, oh, I could hit that. And then, you know, guys throwing 90s, and you're like, whoa. Yeah, you see it in real life. And what I love is you actually see the ball hit the mitt, and there's a slight delay, and then you hear the crack of the glove. And you realize that that ball's going so fast, it's traveling faster than sound. Uh, It's a a pretty cool thing. As a wrestler performing at uh, where the Lions play, I forgot the name of that stadium, 
uh, for WrestleMania. I actually hated that because in, in wrestling, you know, we perform for the audience and we will do a move and we want to hear that reaction, but it was so big and we're in the middle of the football field and it's sold out. You do a move and you'd be like, why are the people not responding to it? And then you're going into like the next move and then you're hearing the cheer from the other one. You're like, oh. Oh, it's a delay. Right, it, right, right. It's so weird to uh, to be, you know, a part of that. It was still really, really cool and the paycheck was amazing. To me, the MVP, the most valuable player is the guy who you rely on to get your team to the next level. I thought even though he didn't have – and it has to be all year and he's got to have the statistics. But like last year, to me, it should have been like – Cespedes, he came on, he took the Mets really under the and got them so, so close to the World Series, you know, and where the Mets were so underachieving. Uh, this year, for for me, the National League, there's uh, there's really three people that can do it, but you ha- to me, you have to make the playoffs to continue to, to be up there for MVP. Uh, Jose Altuve, one of my favorite players, as well as one of my favorite fantasy players on both uh, leagues, Daniel Murphy, uh, who is just, you know, the Nationals, even though they still have a hard time with the the Mets, I really think he has something to prove and really, really wants to win uh, the championship and, you know, basically shove it up the Mets organization. And uh, like you said, Chris Bryant of the Cubs. And the Cubs, you think about the Cubs, I feel, you know, we'll talk about predictions, but the Cubs... once Cleveland streak was ended uh, with the Cavaliers, I said it's all it's all going out the door, and I uh, you know I do feel the Cubs are going all so the you way. Think this is the year the Cubs could do it. Wow. Yes, I like that. Hey, you know what? That's if, if there's any year to do it, this is the team that they that that's built to do it uh, better than any team they've had in at least a decade. So uh, that's certainly not a crazy prediction, and maybe this is the year that. Uh, all the streaks are broken. Uh, who, who knows? Um, personally, I, I got reserv- go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say this Altuve character is getting an awful lot of awful lot of press. He's getting an awful lot of MVP press. Dude, he's an amazing player. He, I was, went to uh, an Astros game this year just to watch him and watch him uh, play. To his advantage, his he doesn't lack the power uh, for him being so short. But he is, you know, if you look at the Major League Baseball across the board, there's a lot of star, star second basemen. And uh, I know a lot of uh, Blue Jays fans would disagree with my other guy who, for the American League, uh, Odor, he's another he's another great player that will continue to, to be great. And if we're talking uh, MVP for the American League, it's a little bit, to me, I would love to see, uh, and it's your guy, I'd love to see Big Poppy uh, take it. He is such a valuable asset to that team. On, honestly, it's to me, it's either him or Pedroia. Because if you think about the Red Sox, they really weren't supposed to be anything this year. And both those guys, uh, Pedroia is another gritty, short, tough second baseman. I don't feel he gets enough mainstream press you know, to me, like a Derek Jeter, even, you know, I know up in the Boston area, they love him, but Pedroia plays his ass off every single game. I want to say he's batting like 330, 340, and yeah. I got it right in front of me. He's batting 326 this year, but but you're absolutely right. He's just having like one of those, like, as you know, that term you hear a lot, he's just like a dirt dog. He gets out there every night, 
doesn't really miss a whole lot of games. Uh, you know, really even keel across the board. Guy who's going to hit you, you know, double-digit home runs, steal some bases, plays a really great second base. This is one of those things that you really don't have a statistic for, but I think he's a guy who, you know, you, you want him in your foxhole. You want to go to battle with, with the guy. I think he amps up the rest of the team. I think it's important to have that veteran presence. Um, and I think the thing with Pedroia, too, is, you know, you'd mentioned a, a guy before who's got something to prove. I think he's a guy who's got something to prove. Uh, a lot of people kind of signed him off a couple of years ago. You know, his, his stats have been dwindling over the last couple of years, and, you know, these days, like, it seems like players are getting younger and younger when they call him up and when they start to really, like, make something happen. And, you know, the guy's, like, not that old, and they're already calling him over the hill. Um, but, you know, that's the name of the game. Everybody wants the new young thing. But I think you got to mention Mookie Betts in the conversation, too. I think Mookie Betts just is another guy. Like, I would have never dreamed that guy, especially with his frame. You want to talk about a small guy. I mean, he's, like, maybe 5'10 with his spikes on. Uh 170 pounds and he's got this crazy power that like comes from this compact little swing he's got and it's just like nuts how how much power he can generate from such a small frame and he's playing a hell of an outfield and he's stealing bases and you know there's a there's a lot of great players in the american league this year it's really great to see that you know this this uh, whole steroid era seems like everybody's kind of slowly forgetting about that and now guys are just playing some really good well-rounded baseball you're basically going all Boston minus uh, for your for your MVP. So you th- I think you're throwing a little bit of a prejudice up there. Yeah, there's definitely prejudice here, and I'm I'm figuring that my you know couple hundred listeners are most likely people that I know from the area. So I'm kind of just going with the home team. Um, but you know I do I do think Altuve is going to win the MVP uh, in the American League. But I think the problem with that is, and you know we can we'll we'll jump we'll move along after this. But like. MVP, it's like, yeah, you could give it to a guy who, like, is on this crappy team, but, like, where are the Houston Astros going to go this year? It's like you said. They're not going to really do it. They're not going to do anything. They're not going to make the playoffs. Both to win it all. They were primed and ready, and now they're fighting for a wild card. But I agree. But it's like, how valuable are you if you're not even – if you're watching baseball in October? You know, not very valuable. I, that's why I feel that if you're a team, it's to get your – you could be the best player uh, – in the league, you'd have the best numbers, but unless your team makes it to at least the playoffs, you should be up there. You know, you shouldn't really be in the category. You gotta be a difference maker, damn it. Um, all right, let's move along to a much more violent and a much more, I think, beloved sport. We're not gonna talk Cy Young, we're not gonna talk nothing. You wanna talk Cy Young? I'll talk Cy Young. I, I had it prepared, but I didn't know, I didn't know, look. Dreamer, look, it's it's dinner time. I didn't know if you had to go. All right, all right. Well, we'll go back. I I didn't. If, if you got time, I'm ready to rock and roll. I'll make this. I a, have I'll make nothing this a to do. Episode. I well, love talking to you. Me. Now I'm talking to you, and for your listeners, we're doing podcasts. You know, you never know. No, this is fun. Okay. So anyway, um, my heart. Uh, okay, for AL uh, Cy Young, you got to give it to Porcello. I'm shocked that I'm saying it, but to me, he's going to go over Austin 20 wins, guy. and his he he's got to get it. Well, I'll tell you why I agree with you, and I'll do it in a quick TV guide version. Um, Porcello is not putting out lights out, crazy Pedro Martinez stuff. He's not doing anything that we've never seen before. But what he's doing is he's getting out there every five days. He's putting out seven, eight-inning performances. He's only given up a couple runs. Quality start after quality start after quality start. Some crazy statistic I saw the other night, like after a loss, he's got like nine wins. 
uh, you know, following a Red Sox loss. So he's just that guy that's like a cog, you know, and I think he's it's important 19 wins for guys right. like that to get awarded. Yeah, and he's got 19 wins, exactly. Um, so, and what do you think about, uh, and, and if there is, if we are going to say just real quick, I think the uh, runner-up there would be, I think this uh, Kluber guy is, is really good. Uh, he was a stud. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, you got to love what he's doing for his team, and, you know, he's another Terry Francona guy. So it's a, in a I way, say uh, in the National League, it's either Bumgarner or Scherzer, and uh, I think both guys are just totally, you know, Man, I was I was looking at that, and the National League has a lot of lot of solid pitchers. Like, there's some really like tacky stat, stats going on in the National League right now. There's like four or five guys uh, that are like really close in just about every category there. Um, yep. But uh, it, you know, I, I think it normally goes right. down to wins. Uh, you know, and I agree with it. Where it's- well, Scherzer's blowing guys away. I'm a strikeout. I'm an old school strikeout guy. You know, like, even though, like, the new sabermetric assholes would tell you that, like, a strikeout doesn't really mean anything anymore and all that bullshit. But to me, it's the, you know, there's nothing like a guy who gets on the mound and can just blow guys away. And Scherzer's one of those old school guys. And he's already got 238 strikeouts. And that's fun to watch, you know, makes it exciting. And if we're going picks, because I know we got to go into football and or we're going to go into UFC, I'm going to say the entire. American League East, the Jays, the Red Sox, and the Orioles, they'll they'll be fighting throughout, but both teams will get the wild card. There'll be three teams representing in the East. Cleveland will take it. Francona, big fan, so I'm sure you are too. And the Texas Rangers, the, all those teams that are currently in first place, they will, be in the, they will not budge. Uh, they will all make it to the, I think the Blue Jays, I think they'll step up. I'd love to see the Red Sox back in there because I think they have a nice, solid mix of veterans as well as uh, guys in their prime and some rookies. But it's all going to come down to, and I could care less about it, it's going to be the Giants, the Dodgers, uh, the Cubs. I would love to see the Mets. I just don't think it's going to happen. I would like to say I don't know how the hell they do it. The Cardinals always somehow seem to get that other wild card. I think it's going to go down to the Cubs and the Nationals and then the Cubs are going all the way, and the Cubs are going to take it. Bottom line. Wow. Well, there you had it. Very well said. Very concisely put. There is Tommy Dreamer's prediction uh, for this year's American League and National League pennant race, an ultimate chase for the World Series title. I kind of got to disagree with some of your predictions just because, again, you know, I'm, I'm a Red Sox guy. I'm going to say that the Red Sox are going till the bitter end. Uh, I personally think that if, and, and this is why, and I'm not just saying it to be a homer guy. Like you said, I love that mix of veterans and young guys. It's really, it's really great because you got guys who literally have multiple rings between Pedroia and Ortiz, and then you got guys who seem like they're poised to kind of have another little run at it, like Bogarts, Betts, and Bradley. Um, and you know, as far as pitching goes, you got to believe that in a playoff series, I love, I love the MLB playoffs because everything kind of changes. And your team becomes crafted for the five-game and the seven-game series. And then you get all those exciting kind of matchups. And you can put guys like your third and fourth starter in the bullpen. And then you can have some real you know, heavy hitters coming out of the bullpen late in the game. Um, so I just think that if Price can get it together, and you know, we've already uh, obviously um, talked about you know, wh- what Priscilla can do. Rodriguez is starting to come on. 
uh, you know, there's a lot of arms there that if they could click at the right time, they could be pretty dangerous in a in a short series. And that's yeah. why I'm going with the Red Sox. Uh, Price to me is is a stud. Uh, I was happy that the Yankees actually didn't pursue him. Uh, I was shocked the amount of money that he got, but if yeah. he takes them to the World Series, takes them, you know, they need that anchor because last year they had a crap season, and this year, you know, at least they uh, they've been overachieving. Yeah, and and Price is starting to earn his money now. You know, the second half of his season is looking a hell of a lot better than the first half of his season. He's coming on at the right time. Everything's clicking, um, and you know, like you said, if, if if I were a Yankee fan, I'd probably be glad we didn't grab him. You, you didn't grab him too, because it's a long contract for a guy who's you know no, he's not old, but he's certainly not young, and that's going to be an ugly contract in a few years probably. Um, we'll see what happens. We're pretty damn close. We got what, probably uh, a few weeks away from the playoffs kicking off. Uh, and speaking of kicking off, to do the cheesiest segue possible. Dun 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 dun. Yeah, let's cue the music. Yeah. Here it comes. <laughs> Feeling it in the studio, um, and uh, NFL. Here's, here it is. You can you can feel it. You can feel the October air, the crispness of the fall setting in, and eleven men on each side of the ball, charging at each other violently to go after the coveted Vince Lombardi Trophy. Tommy Dreamer, take it away. What are you, what are you feeling about? What, what do you got for any? You got any cool predictions? Anything you're excited about? Any exciting storylines? Just freestyle. What do you want to? What, what do you got in your mind about this year's NFL season? It may be a cold day in Lambeau, but for you Patriots fans, it's going to be a cold four weeks until Tom Brady comes back. You will love yeah. my prediction because I feel that Tom Brady and Mr. Belichick will have the biggest cross or burden to stick it up the NFL's ass. I do feel they will go one and four, and then they will come back, and I want to say they will go ten and four once Tom Brady comes back. And uh, I'm sorry, not ten and four, uh, 12 and four, maybe 11 and five, but they have... I feel they're going to come back with such a vengeance and stick it up the NFL's butt for all the literal BS that went on. And I feel that they're going to make it all the way to the Super Bowl against either the Panthers or uh, the Cardinals. I got to say, and I'm not just saying it as a New England fan, I really like that breakdown right there. Uh, I'm with it, uh, especially uh, when we'll, we'll certainly jump into the Patriots. But uh, to go to the NFC, I certainly think the, the Panthers are kind of like the you know move over everybody else. I, I don't see anybody who can really touch them. Although I do think Cam Newton is a coward the way he played the Super Bowl towards the end, uh, jumping away from a football on the ground. Uh, you know that's just a little pet peeve yeah. of mine. If it's the Super Bowl, man, I could see if it was like Week One or a preseason game. You know, you want to shy away. If it's the Super Bowl, you lay your body out and you grab that football. But that's just me. Uh, then again, I've never actually played in the Super Bowl, so what the fuck do I know? Uh, but getting back to the important things, uh, like you said, the Patriots have something uh, to prove. They're very angry at the National Football League. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know Tom Brady's chomping at the bit to get back in there. But I do think Garofalo is going to be – Okay, I, you know, I, I got I got a chance to go down to, to Gillette and check out a preseason game, and he looked pretty good, you know, he did, and and uh, 
they didn't even really have all their key guys on the field, and it was certainly just uh, they were kind of going through some of the motions, but uh, it's hard to tell with preseason. You never know if they're just trying certain things or what's going on. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I think they can certainly split those games at least. You know, uh, I, I think uh, it's going to come down to, you know, I think Blunt in the backfield, if he can kind of, you know, churn and, and make it happen uh, and, and, you know, provide a little bit of pressure off of the rookie. or well, he's not really a rookie, but, you know, might as well be the, the newcomer at the quarterback position there. And, you know, if he can if he can get a little offense going, take a little pressure off, they might have a shot. It's going to be fun to watch. It's kind of it, – it's almost like the Patriots are so fucking good that they need to, like, handicap them now. It's like when you're playing basketball against your older cousin and it's like, okay, buddy, uh, you know, we're going to play to 21 and it's going to start off 7 nothing. you. Here we go. Tip off. You start with the ball. You know, yeah. They are, to me, they are the WWE of wrestling. It's the the system, you know, that there may be cracks in the system, in the team, but the system will, it's a juggernaut. It eats up whatever uh, it can and it, it all starts with, you know, coaching and the management. And, you know, you the, the, he is, to me, the, you know, greatest coach of all time. Uh, and just, you know, from his discipline and all that stuff, and I'm not a big, oh, they cheated, you know, whatever. It's it's He's part of that system. He knows the team. He knows what it takes to win. And I'm, I went to say they're going to go one and three. They will probably lose one game during once Brady comes back and then they will just continue to uh, dominate. And I cannot, I I just, they're so competitive and they're so uh, just such a machine that they're just going to come in. And there's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of teams out there that can hang with them. Especially, you know, I I really do think we're going to get a nice little rivalry. I think uh, what happened with, the Jets made a lot of improvements, and Ryan Fitzpatrick coming back, he's got he got paid, but he's also got that chip on his shoulder, and it's, you know, for the Jets, they're all in. And, you know, I like uh, picking up Matt Forte. To me, as a Patriots fan, uh, watching a Jets game, no matter what, even if the Jets are, are horrible, even if they're in the basement, they always come to bring it against the Patriots. It's always a tough game, and it, it's the yeah. Super Bowl to them. No matter, you know, they could be two and thirteen, and if it's the last game of the season, it's their, you know, it's their Super Bowl. And uh, there is no more Yankees Red Sox hated rivalry. Uh, yeah, it's I, weird, man. Isn't that weird? It's like it's like we've become like this fucking hipster Red Sox Yankees generation where like they're like playing guitar together and like, you know, like talking about the good old days of like the rivalry. It's like uh, there's a lot of edge that's been taken away from that. It's really funny now. It's almost like everyone's cool now. It's like, all right, we want a couple. You guys are not so bad. You know, I think the Yankees have been a little humbled in the last couple of years, and the Red Sox had won a couple, and then they sucked for a couple of years. So it was kind of like, all right, all right. Cool. Yeah, when, once once the, the Babe Ruth streak was broke, uh, then that was okay. And, you know, you got to think about it. A few guys jumped ship, you know, Johnny Damon, Jacoby Ellsbury, and it's not like, oh, we totally hate you anymore. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it just became it like the thing, thing to do. do. It was but like, oh, yeah, go get paid. Either, all right, buddy. Yeah, if there's no loyalty with the players, then it's hard to have loyalty with, you know, for that pure old school hatred. You you would, you know, uh, all the talk about well, we're not going to give a Rod this giant farewell. They shouldn't. The Yankees should give Ortiz 
a nice farewell, uh, even though he was a you know a pretty much a Yankee killer. But yes, that rivalry. I gotta say, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I think the whole farewell tours, and I think it's cool. People might give me shit for this, but like, you know what? The farewell tours are like a lot to me. It's becoming like. What the fuck with these farewell tours? Like, it, this is kind of a new thing. I, it was like Mariano Rivera was, like, the first one to get it. And it's like, y- you know, becomes this, like, uh, you know, station of the crosses uh, for baseball gr- gods. And it's like everybody, you know, they, they, you, you think fucking Mickey Mantle got a farewell tour? They were probably like, Mickey, uh, you know, you don't even fit in your pants anymore. Uh, <laughs> it's 1969. Uh, maybe you should just be like the first base coach. You know, like here's I, I disagree with you big time on that. Uh, <laughs> I feel that for fans, we have this connection. We've shared these amazing moments. It's nice, like a big thing with me, especially in WWE, where one day you're there, next second you're gone, and everyone's just like, oh, you retired or, or you quit. Just because you're not in the spotlight or you're not on TV anymore, people just think you're done, as opposed to like me, who you were wrestling everywhere. For baseball, you are really done. You're not, or an athlete, it's your time is up, your time is over. I do, I specifically said to Matt Stryker, another big baseball fan, I was like, dude, we need to go to Fenway to see Ortiz play in Fenway. I've seen him play other places. I want to see Big Poppy before he goes. And I love, to me, it's that connection and you need to have that closure for any athlete who has had some substantial time uh, doing what he's, you know, what he's done. It's, it's, it's a, a chance, chance to, to say, say goodbye. goodbye. I, I understand. And you know what else? And you know, if you and, also and, look yeah. at it for, let's say, let's. Like, I knew uh, the Yankees weren't going to do anything the year Jeter was uh, retiring. You know why? Because you didn't need it. Your place was still going to be packed. You did not need. The World Series, and again, I look at things a little differently. I'm a little scarred because of pro wrestling, where I think most some things are not as legit as a lot of people think, but they don't need it because it's like he went out, he got to say goodbye to the loyal fans. You know, he was the captain. It's just like, hey, thanks for the memories. And, you know, no one cared. It would have been a greater story if the Yankees would have, you know, Derek Jeter, but then it's like, oh, what, how many more rings does he need? You know, it, to me, it's cool. Hey, you leave, you can leave out on top like a lot of football players do because you're not going to go any higher. But if to me, you need, you're grinding out 162 games. You need that final goodbye if you're a player of substance. I'll be your co-host. Speaking of things that are possibly rigged, let's go to the UFC. Yeah, let's do it. A lot of been talk about Conor McGregor. I don't really prefer the guy anymore because of the disparaging comments that he made towards professional wrestling and i do feel a lot of professional wrestlers could kick the living shit out of conor mcgregor with that being said cm punk is finally taking and getting paid to fight in uh the ufc it's going to happen this saturday a lot of people have been against it a lot of people have been for it oh cm punk should do this cm punk should do that cm punk needs just to win one that's all he needs to do if he does it great and even if he loses it's like eh, it's not for me uh, he's training hard. He's in phenomenal shape. I don't know if you've seen the documentaries that he's, they did with uh, Fox. They've been yeah. amazing of his journey, his transition. He's an older guy doing something that is very, very hard. So to me, you got to give him credit because everybody who goes to the bars, oh, I could fight this guy, I could fight. 
When you are fighting with a professional fighter or someone who fights for a living, it's a lot different. And uh, he's training his ass off. I do hope he wins. And then right after that, I hope they just hand him the microphone and he could be the new commentator for UFC because CM Punk is amazing at every single thing that he does. He has that uh, rock, or I like to say that Will Smith old-school touch of gold that anything he touches turns to pure money magic, just like The Rock has now. And CM Punk is another one of those guys where if CM Punk, he wouldn't do this, but if CM Punk was like, hey, I think I want to run for president, he might have a shot at it. So you don't like the guy. (laughs) So you don't like him. You don't like him at all. But I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Uh, uh, all right, well, if I'm going to shoot my own horn, I hired CM Punk into, into WWE. But I hired him because he has that it factor. And he, uh, I learned, I, I watch a lot of people's documentaries. I've hired a lot of people uh, to pursue their uh, dream. And, you know, I, I, I saw Mike Piazza's documentary, and everyone's like, if it wasn't for Tommy Lasorda, the guy wouldn't even made it to the Hall of Fame. And, you know, everyone's like, you should take credit, you should take credit. I want to take Tommy Lasorda's chance, I mean, uh, Tommy Lasorda's stance and say, I just gave him a chance. It was him that went, and he fulfilled what I had envisioned for him. So, you know, it, it's, I, I think CM Punk should, and if UFC was not as legit as I think it is, they should let his him uh, he should win his first one, then get a more tougher opponent, and then uh, let that go the way it is, because, however it is, because I don't book for them. I book for House of Hardcore. I used to book for WWE and uh, other things like that. But CM Punk, uh, I hope he does well. I hope he has a good fight. i got to say, uh, like you said, uh, my, my hat goes off to any person at any level of mixed martial arts that gets in that octagon, that cage, whatever it is. It takes a lot of balls to get in there uh, with all those eyes on you and, uh, you know, all those cameras and, okay, we're going to fight and you're either going to win or you're going to lose. And if you lose, and that's a fucking embarrassment, man. Can you imagine getting your ass kicked in front of all those people? Live television. (laughs) Yeah, like, it sucks. It's bad enough to get your ass kicked in school or whatever when you're a kid. Imagine, like, getting your ass handed to you. In front of everybody on T, like the world is watching. People paid to watch you. So it's one of those things where you know you got to give the guy credit just for getting in there. It takes balls. Um, look, the guy's athletic. He's he's a pretty good sized dude. I, I think he's got a shot. And uh, like you said, I don't think it's going to be a really long career. I mean, just given the guy's age. Uh, but you never know. I mean, MMA is one of those things where. You know, Randy Couture, Couture was a champion in his 40s, you know. I mean, you, you can have a nice run in your late 30s, early 40s. So I think the guy's going to fight as long as he keeps winning. You know, I think if he keeps winning and they keep handing him guys and he keeps turning out victories, I don't see why he wouldn't stop. Um, and I'm sure the money the money train will be there to go. My thing, you know, the only negative, slightly negative thing I'd say is I think there's a little bit of arrogance that goes into saying that you can do something on the professional level like MMA at the age of 36, 37. I think that's like saying at 36, 37, you could go be a professional tennis player or a professional jockey or, you know, pick a sport, any random fucking sport. It would be really, really difficult to convince me that anyone at that age could just crack into a sport. So... That's why, there's to me, there's a little bit of a, all right, let's see what happens here. Plenty of guys have tried to do it, but, you know, 
tell you what, I'm gonna watch. So he's got my, you know, he he got me to buy a ticket. Uh, so kudos to that, and it'll probably be a great little attraction there. When you are trained to be a professional wrestler, you also learn holds, you also learn submissions, you also know ways to torque a body. Uh, for me, and sure. I've been in a lot of real fights. I don't know if I could have been a and and I was offered. I trained at Gleason's gym to become a wrestler, which is a Hall of Fame boxing uh, gym down in Brooklyn, New York. And I was, I have to hate you to fight you. And I don't know if as a professional fighter, and I would, you know, I would legit bite your ear. I'd bite your dick off if you're trying to hurt me or my family. And But I don't know if I could hate my opponent. Like yeah, yeah, you can't tune it up. up the ring. You, 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 you can't, can't get, get to that, that 10, 10 or 11. 11. You can't turn it up to that 10 or 11 unless it's a real situation. And, and I respect that. Um, well, let me ask you this one more question then, speaking of CM Punk. And, you know, this, this could be a, a pretty cool little tidbit that you're releasing. Uh, have you ever seen CM Punk go in a real fight, in a little backstage uh, brouhaha or ruckus? I know there's a lot of those that go on in the wrestling industry once in a while. I have not. I have seen him get angry. Uh, I have not seen him in a fight. I don't know. I know he was in a couple of fights in on the indies as well as in Ring of Honor. Uh, so hopefully uh, he's able to tap into that inner rage. But to me, win, lose, or draw, it's still a win for him. He has the balls to go out there and do it. It was a a beautiful, beautiful move by the UFC to sign him because he's actually a huge fan of the UFC. And to me, it's okay, you did it. Now you have, a, even if it's one fight under your belt, you have a little bit of credibility. Now go in there and be a broadcaster. And he would take Yeah, and, and it's all about, let's face it, it's all about that trickle over fan. You know, that fan of the WWE who loves CM Punk, who no longer can get their CM Punk fix. And now they know, ooh, well, I can tune into UFC and I can get my CM Punk fix mainlined into my veins. Uh, For the so longest time on social it. media, he tweeted something, boom, you know, two, 3,000 hits right off the bat. Yeah. Think about it. If he wins, what that'll do for UFC, you know, you, you look at the success. Hey, they went back to the Brock Lesnar well, uh, and it was yeah, that, a, that huge, made a huge, lot draw, of money. huge draw, and it was also uh, – it was a huge financial draw, and it was so, I hate to date myself, water cooler. Everyone was talking about that fight. Absolutely. Well, you know, that guy's just something to watch, isn't he? Isn't Brock Lesnar just something to watch in an octagon? Like I've really wrestled him many times. And yeah, let I me did, ask you, what's it, like, what's it like when that guy just grabs a hold of you? Like, what's that feel like? Do you feel like a child? Do you feel like, you know, your big <laughs> uncle's just picking you up? You can watch Tommy Dreamer versus Brock Lesnar on uh, YouTube, and there's a point where he gave me one backbreaker, two backbreakers, and I thought he was just going to, you know, end it on two backbreakers. And I was about 250, and I just went, I wasn't helping him. I just went limp because that's sometimes you got to do when you're get, getting a backbreaker, or else you really will break your back. And he started <laughs> to lose me. And when I tell you he started to lose me because I was going to the floor and in like a squat slash like on one knee, like a lunge squat or like if he was trying to wipe his ass on the uh, canvas, he scooped me in one fluid motion up over his head, 
rested me on his head, and I am not helping him. I'm also like semi, like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? Two fifty. And then he gave me weight. a third one without hesitation. He was a super strong guy. Him and I, he ne- he did not like my Singapore cane. I wrestled him a million times. I I really wow. Brock doesn't really like people, but him and I get along great. When I went recently That's back cool. to WWE, it was very very cool to see him and. We did a show together, uh, uh, man, it was the L.A. Forum, which was also a cool moment for me, and because WWE hadn't been there in like 23 years. and That's a classic, classic venue. And him and I just sat there, you know, BSing for a good, you know, 25 minutes, just kind of catching up because I haven't uh, talked to him in so long. Basically, basically, well, you're a likable guy. For, for Brock Lesnar. Oh, that's too bad. Yes, sir. Well, he likes uh, strong, muscular, blonde men. With giant daggers tattooed on their chest. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's one of those things where uh, you're a likable guy, and, and that proves it because I've heard that Brock Lesnar just as a he, he's not doesn't like a lot of people, just likes to keep to himself. Um, and, hey, that's his prerogative. He could kill anyone he wants with his bare hands. He lives up in a farm in Canada. Uh, with his beautiful wife, and they have children, and he's happy with that. He's like a real-life 80s movie, like, for guys who like movie character. Like, he is the guy that you have to beat at the end of the video game in order to beat the video game. Yeah, that's pretty pretty remarkable. Well, Tommy, uh, uh, we're going to let you go, uh, but, you know, real quick, why don't you tell us what's going on uh, in the world of professional wrestling and house, the House of Hardcore, which is your promotion, of course, and I know you've got an event coming up soon, so tell us a little bit about what that's going to be. I have a few events. Uh, like a crazy maniac, I turned down a very, very lucrative offer with the WWE because they wanted me to say goodbye to House of Hardcore, and I could not do that, so I have my next event September 16th and 17th in Long Island and back to the old ECW arena on the 17th. I have two shows, one in Pittsburgh, one in Cleveland, October 14th and 15th. And uh, look, going to, you know, my old stomping grounds from back in the day of ECW. And then uh, uh, my final shows of this year will be December 3rd in Milwaukee, uh, bringing House of Hardcore out there. And then I think I'm going to do one more in back in Philly, probably the next week in December, and then that's it for uh, me for this year. But this uh, past year was really, really good. I had, you know, uh, some successful events uh, over the summer. Went to, back to Canada, packed the place, uh, just did a show in Houston, uh, raised some money for autism, and we also went to Melbourne, Australia, and we sold out standing room only. Uh, 1,700 crazy Aussie fans to watch House of Hardcore, so I'm continuing on my path to show the world my vision of professional wrestling. International ass-kicking going on. We're trying. Well, that's really cool. Uh, I'm excited to hear more about that as uh, things progress. I think it's cool that you uh, stuck to your guns there, and I'm sure all of the House of Hardcore fans appreciate that because I know that's a real unique, special brand of wrestling that you're providing, and, uh, you know, the world needs that. The world needs Coke, the world needs Pepsi, the world needs, uh, you know, variety. Uh, and I think when everything becomes homogenized and becomes single, you know, one-noted, that's when we all turn into robots. Absolutely. 
Um, well, Tommy, thanks so much, man. Have a, have a great rest of your Labor Day, and uh, we will certainly have you back on the show sometime real soon. All right, bud. I'll see you later. Man, that was a lot of fun talking with Tommy. He gave us all of his opinions, and he got pretty heated about some of them. It was, uh, it was a good show. Well, you know, uh, you can't just uh, – Tommy and I, we've been friends for a while now, and uh, like a lot of sports fans, you know, hey, you're not going to – this passion, passion. And, and, and it's fun to have those arguments. Absolutely, I mean that's what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, if I'm on the Boston side too, so well, if everybody <laughs> if everybody wanted the same person to win or the same team to win, it wouldn't be fun. Be no, who would watch? Watching anything, who would watch? You know? <laughs> uh, but it's like bowling, professional bowling. Nothing against them. The rivalries are what makes it. It's the human condition, brother. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so we're really happy to have Tommy Dreamer on the show, uh, and uh, you know what? It'd be great to have him back and get a little bit deeper into the fantasy football world because I know a lot of people There's a lot like to this. talk about. I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only yeah. guy. Uh, I, I know I'm not the only guy who sits there and stares at his phone and every hour he updates the little Yahoo or the little ESPN <laughs> thing to see if there's any news or did anybody sprain their ankle in practice this week? Did anybody get a concussion last week? They're going to be out for four weeks, is it two weeks, is it three weeks. What, what, you know, what's going on with this guy? I know you people toil over that too, uh, so it's got to be important to you as well, because it's important to me. It keeps me going, man. I, I love Sunday morning, cracking open my computer, <laughs> laying out my team, making sure I get the right lineup, making sure nobody's hurt. Okay, we're ready to go. Got my matchups in place, and you know, you, you you put those football games on, and they mean something totally different now. Mm. Each game has a new meaning. Because before, all that mattered was, you know, whether or not your team was on. Yeah, if looking at the scoreboard. On, like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll put it on. It's a good football game. Well, yeah, why not? It's better than watching whatever reruns of, you know, Baywatch. Or Baywatch or something. <laughs> so, but it's got a whole new meeting now because it's fantasy. And you know what? You could have that backup running back that's now the starter mm. of the Packers or, you know, name that team. And suddenly that, you know, nothing to watch game becomes a destination channel for you. Uh, so we had a good time talking sports. It's something that we don't always get to do on this show. It's actually the first time we've got to do it on the show. Mm. I had a good time doing it. Let us know what you think. Definitely. Shoot us a message over at Woodhaven Media. Uh, if you check us out on Facebook, just search Woodhaven Media, and we will come up, and you can send us a message. Tell us what you think. Well, we hope you enjoy this upcoming NFL football season. I know we will. And uh, I hope your team makes it in the Major League Baseball playoffs as well. It's a hell of a time of year to be a sports fan.